Hello and welcome to Bible 101. Please enjoy our Bible 101 series as we explore Genesis through Revelation. Also, listen to our roundtable discussions as myself, Greg Ross, and Eric Feeman talk about the major theological discussions of the Bible. Also, enjoy some of our interviews and apostolic apologetic series. We thank you so much for listening. Please let us know what you think by emailing BibleTTabernacle29 at gmail.com. That's B-I-B-L-E-T-T-A-B-E-R-N-A-C-L-E-29 at gmail.com. And also leave a comment to let us know what you think. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to Bible 101, lesson number 7. Today we're going to continue our study of Abraham, but before we begin, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity to study the Word of God. Speak to us today. Help us, Lord, to apply it to our life in Jesus' name. Amen. A little bit of brief review. Last time we talked about what set Abram apart, Genesis 15 and verse number 6, and he believed in the Lord and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Just the fact that he believed God. He took God at his word. He had faith. And that's really what set all of the major characters in the Old Testament apart. Uh, When it comes to Noah, he believed in the Lord. He had a relationship with God. He had faith in God. When God told him to act, he acted. Um, His faith was, was demonstrated by his action. And then it's the same thing here with Abraham. His faith is demonstrated by his action. So let's begin reading by reading uh, Genesis chapter 21 and verse number 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. God always keeps his word. By two immutable things it is impossible for God to lie, the Bible tells us. Verse number 3, And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. The name Isaac means laughter. Every time anybody would look at Isaac and speak his name, they would be reminded of the radical miracle that God had performed. And so, really, the fact that um, Abraham did not bear a son until he was an old man and Sarah was an old woman was a greater testimony. That way, everybody could look and say, this had to be a work of God. It's not a natural process. It's supernatural. Let's go to verse number four. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God commanded him. There it is again. Notice his obedience to God. His faith is demonstrated by his obedience. Verse five. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Now you remember I mentioned in the previous lesson that Every test God put Abraham through was a family test. Get out from your country, from your kindred, from your father's house. The second test, he had to separate from Lot before God would speak to him again. Uh, now, we're going to see another test here that he's, you got to think, view this from his perspective, okay? He's been training Ishmael up as the heir. 
Before God spoke to him, he had been training Ishmael up as the heir, thinking this is the promised child. I'm training him up. So he's telling Ishmael, you're, you're going to be the heir. God's already given me a promise that your seeds will be like the stars of the sky. And he's telling him all of these things. And then all of a sudden, God speaks to me. He said, no, I want to give Sarah a son. Now he's got this conflict in his household. And so when Isaac comes on the scene, we're going to see this conflict come to a head. And it says this, verse number 9, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Mocking. The word mocking means scoffing. means literally laughing. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. This time, instead of just taking Sarah's word for it, because previously she had said, go into my handmaid, and he didn't inquire of God, and he obeyed his wife and hearkened to her voice, and that, that brought pain and suffering. This time, when his wife tells him something, this time he goes to God and he prays. Now notice, God said unto Abraham, verse 12, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad, and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now Abraham's got a decision. All that he's invested in Ishmael, he's about to kiss goodbye and push out the door, not knowing what's going to become of him. And uh, let's read verse number 14. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs, and she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bowshot. For she said, Let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven, and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. He didn't say he had heard Hagar's voice. He said he heard the voice of the lad, because Abraham had prayed a blessing upon that child. And God heard that prayer, and he blessed the child. Verse 18, Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make of him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. And God was with the child, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. Okay, so we're going to skip down here just a, a couple of verses, um, and, and we're going to go... Uh, into this next uh, chapter. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 22 and verse number 1. Now some time has passed, and you can read that in Genesis 22 and 1, and it came to pass after these things. So some time has passed. Isaac's a little bit older now. Nobody really knows how old Isaac was. Some say that uh, he was a teenager. Some say he was a young adult, possibly as old as 30 years of age. Genesis 22 and 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt or test. That word tempt means test. Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son. So much to this here. Number one, the fact that uh, every test God put Abraham through was a family test. And now, here's another test that has to do with his family, because he's a family man. And God told him, first he told him, get rid of Ishmael, cast him out of your house. All that he had invested in him, he had to kiss goodbye. But now he's got Isaac, and God had promised this child to Isaac. 
He could have argued with God and said, but God, this is your promise, child. But notice what he did. This seems odd. He, he, he didn't, uh, you know, nowadays we have the, the, the benefit of having the Bible and, and all that's written in the law where God says, I never commanded you to sacrifice your children uh, like they do unto Molech and to other gods. But, you know, Abraham apparently didn't really have this assurance. He loved God. He knew God. He served God. He prayed to God. But here, God tells him to take his son, his only son, Isaac, he said, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Mount Moriah. And so, uh, verse number three, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. We can only imagine the turbulence that must have been going on in the soul of Abraham. Think about it. All that he's invested in Isaac, all of those days and years he told Isaac, you're the promised child, Isaac. God loves you. God said he's going to establish your seed, and through your seed, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. He's got all these dreams and aspirations for Isaac, and then finally God speaks to him one day, and he says, Isaac, he said, Abraham, take your son, your only son. Now, that's an important point because he also had Ishmael, but God didn't recognize Ishmael because that was Sarah's idea. That was Abraham's idea. That wasn't God's idea. He said, uh, Abraham, take your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and offer him up for a burnt offering. And he said, go into the land of Moriah. Okay. Later on, the temple would be built on that mount. And let's go to verse number three. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and claved the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. He called sacrifice worship. Verse 6, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. Now notice in uh, verse number 2, he told him, Take now thy son, thine only son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. It probably reminds you of the book of John, chapter 3, and verse 16. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. His only begotten son. Now we'll get into what that means in a future lesson. But notice the typology here. Remember how I mentioned in the first lesson that Jesus is mentioned not only in prophecy, but also in typology. Now watch this. Isaac is a type of Jesus here. And so Isaac is uh, obeying his father. And he's carrying the wood on his back that's going to serve as the place where he's going to be sacrificed. Jesus carried the cross upon his own back up the mountain where he was going to be crucified. Okay? And Isaac, verse 7, spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Verse 8, this is very powerful. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Now, if you read later on down, it was a ram that God provided. But Abraham spoke prophetically. He said, my son, God will provide himself, himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Not somebody else, but himself a lamb for a burnt offering. That's exactly what happened. God 
came into the world through Jesus Christ. When the fullness of time has come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law. That's Galatians 4 and 4. And you can also read the fact in the book of Matthew, chapter number 1, that according to Old Testament prophecy, therefore a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. And Matthew said, which being interpreted is God with us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and, and verse number 19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not themselves, himself. God reconciled the world to himself through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. And this is what Abraham said. He said, my son, God will provide himself. He will give himself. He will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them, uh, both of them together. Verse 9, and they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there. There it is again. Notice how many times it says Abraham built an altar and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now some have said if he was as old as 30 years old, he probably could have fought his father off. But apparently, Isaac, as a beautiful type of Jesus Christ, laid himself down willingly. It doesn't mean that there wasn't some fear in his heart. Remember, even Jesus in the garden prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. It's kind of the same thing going on here. Isaac did finally. We don't know how much turbulence was there. We don't know how scared he was. We don't know how much he cried. I'm sure he was scared. I'm sure he cried. But he lays on the altar willingly, lets his father bind him up. Verse 10, now imagine what's going on in Abraham. Abraham's thinking about all these years that he's invested in Isaac. And he's thinking about all the promises and all the years he waited for a son. And God finally gave him a son. And now he doesn't understand, God, why, why are you making me do this? I, I don't understand this. And he takes the knife and he's, he's, his hand's probably shaking and tears are probably streaming down his face. And he pulls back that knife and just as he's about to bring it down, verse 10, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son, verse 11. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. you got to imagine what's going on in Abraham's heart. With tears streaming down his face, knife still in his hand. So determined to obey the Lord that the angel of the Lord had to say his name twice to get his attention. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. Why would God test Abraham like this? Why would God ask him to sacrifice his only son? Abraham would bring forth the promised child Isaac and through Isaac Jesus would come through that line ultimately. And so Abraham had to be tested in an extraordinary way because he had an extraordinary blessing coming down the road. The Bible says in the New Testament that Jesus at one point was brought five loaves and two small fish. And it says that he blessed it and he break it. Can I just say that's the process that you're going to have to go through. If God's ever going to bless you, he's first going to have to break you. Abraham had to be tested in an extraordinary 
uh, way because he was going to receive an extraordinary blessing. And he passed that test. He did not even withhold his only son from God. I like what my pastor has said on one occasion. He said, whatever you leave God for, you will always lose in the end. I wonder if Abraham had not laid Isaac on the altar that day and had refused to give him to God if he would have lost Isaac. Probably so. Because if you just obey God, you may not always understand God, but if you obey Him, it will always pay off in the end, even if it doesn't make sense at first. Sometimes you may say, well, I obeyed God and my life got worse. It might get worse at first. But I want to go to the New Testament and find out uh, what was going through the mind of Abraham. And it tells us in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, once again, returning to one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Hebrews chapter number 11. Let's read about what was going on in the mind of Abraham. Okay, let's um, go down to uh, verse number 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. He believed that even if he killed Isaac, God would raise him up from the dead because God had promised that child unto him. He may not have understood why God was asking him to do this, but he knew that, God, you promised this child unto me. And so even if I kill him, you're able to raise him up from the dead. But notice the extraordinary faith of this man named Abraham. Even if he didn't understand God, he still obeyed God. Can I just say here today that so many people refuse to obey God's commands because they don't understand them. They don't see how God's commands can be beneficial to them. Well, I don't see what is wrong with this or what's wrong with that. Or, or I don't understand why the Bible teaches this doctrine. and it, It's just too hard and it's, it's too cruel. There's too many restrictions to live in for God. I just don't understand it. That goes all the way back to the initial command in the Garden of Eden. Obviously, Adam and Eve didn't really understand the command very well. They didn't understand why God would withhold this one tree from them. But Abraham, on the flip side, he may not have understood God, but he obeyed him anyway. That's true faith in action. Even when you don't understand, do you still obey? Okay, let's go to verse number 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. The name Jehovah-Jireh means the Lord will provide or see. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. Now remember, with each test, God's given him a new promise. And notice this, verse 16, and said, By myself have I sworn. The New Testament tells us because God could not swear by anything higher, he swore by himself. By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing 
I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven. Now, notice he said there's going to be two signs of the promises of God. Perhaps there were nights that Abraham walked and he thought, you know, I've only got one boy. Now, earlier God had told him about the stars of the heavens and uh, told him to count the stars, and so shall his descendants be. So Abraham had a lot of nights to go out and, and, and walk the sand and, and look up at the stars and try to remember the promises of God. But maybe there were some days, you know, his head was hung a little lower than normal. And he didn't really feel like looking up. Watch this. As the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. So whether he looked up, he was reminded of the promises of God. And when he looked down, he was, he was reminded of the promises of God. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because thou hast obeyed my voice. God always honors obedience. Remember we read it earlier in Isaiah chapter 1. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. That's a big if. It's not just enough to be willing. You've got to be obedient. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Okay, um, I, I'm going to go ahead and move on here a little bit, and we're going to talk about um, Isaac the son of Abraham. We're not going to go as in-depth into Isaac's character because I want to get to Jacob. Isaac's greatest test, I believe, was when he had to lay himself upon that altar. And God renews his promise through Isaac. But it says this in Genesis chapter 24 and verse number 1, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son and uh, of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go into my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. To make a long story short, in the book of Genesis chapter 24, this records uh, him going and finding a wife for Isaac. That wife is going to be Rebecca. I'm not going to take too much time to deal with that. Um, so we're going to actually skip down a little bit and let's go... Um, into the the uh, we're going to stay in the book of Genesis but let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 26 Genesis chapter number 26 and let's go to verse number uh, 34 Genesis 26 and 34 it says this and Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith the daughter of Beri the Hittite and Bashemeth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, which were a grief of mine unto Isaac and to Rebekah. Pardon me. Let's back up and let's go to the book of uh, Genesis chapter 25. This is what I was looking for. Genesis chapter 25 and verse number uh, 23. Excuse me, 21. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red, 
red, all over like in hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. That name Esau means hairy. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob, which means supplanter or deceitful, literally one who takes the heel. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them, and the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. That's kind of a silly reason to love a kid. But Rebekah loved Jacob. He loved Esau because he ate of Esau's venison, in other words. But Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. Now, this scripture is very, very important. Um, we're going to do a little bit more in-depth study of this here in a moment. But let me just talk about the differences in their careers. Esau was a man that was used to providing for himself. He went out and he killed an animal for himself and fed himself. So he was used to having plenty. He was used to, to getting his own food. But one day, it tells us he was a cunning hunter. So obviously that, that word cunning means skillful. He was a skillful hunter. So he wasn't used to coming home without having killed something. He was a skillful hunter. But one day... He went out to the field and he couldn't provide for himself. He couldn't find anything to kill and he couldn't find anything to eat. And it was un, he was unsuccessful. And so Jacob sees this and so he sees a prime opportunity here. And he sawed pottage. And Esau came from the field and he was faint. He was tired. He was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore it was his name called Edom. His descendants would forever be known by the name Edom, which means red. He would forever be defined by his sin. Verse 31, And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. That seems kind of loony to us. Why would Jacob say, I'll trade you this red pottage for your birthright? But put yourself in the shoes of Esau. He's tired, he's weary, and he's faint. And you don't make good decisions when you're faint. That's why you should never allow how you feel to dictate the decisions that you make. Don't ever try to make a rash decision when you're tired and weary. That's not the time to, uh, to make a rash decision. What you need to do is wait till you're in your right mind again before you make a decision especially one that's going to change the course of your life. Verse 32, And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he sware unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. We would be told later, God said this, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. One of the reasons that Esau was hated so much is because he despised his birthright. Let's go back to the book of Hebrews. I know I'll refer to that a lot, but it's got a lot of very, very important scriptures. All of it's important, of course. But let's go to the book of Hebrews. And um, I want to go... Uh, let's go to the book of Hebrews, chapter number uh, 12 and verse 15. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, Looking diligently, lest any man fell of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person. Now, while we're told um, that Esau 
was a man that took several wives that his parents did not approve of. It doesn't say that he committed fornication, which is uh, uh, sex outside of marriage. And it doesn't say that he committed fornication, but it calls him a fornicator and a profane. That word profane means godless person, as Esau, verse 16, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. And that's really what it's all about. It's talking about, by calling him a fornicator, it's talking about momentary pleasure. They're willing to trade away everything for a moment of pleasure. It's kind of like a man that throws away his marriage and his family life for one moment of pleasure with a woman that is not his wife and commits adultery and tears families apart. It's the same thing here. Or like somebody that that is very successful, but then they become addicted to drugs and they sell everything they have just so they can have another high and another high and another high until they become broke and then they're homeless out on the street. But this, this is what it's like. They trade everything away for a temporary moment of pleasure. And that's exactly what Esau did. All right, let's go back to Genesis and let's continue the story here. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. Uh, and we're going to go to chapter number 24. And it says this. Excuse me, Genesis chapter 25. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Despised it. That word despised. It, it, it means to hold in contempt. It means to disdain. What was the birthright? Now, scholars are kind of divided on this. We don't know uh, the difference between the birthright and the blessing because the blessing is going to come into play later. We don't really know a whole lot about that other than the fact that the birthright was uh, a double portion, apparently, of the inheritance. But it wasn't just a double portion of the inheritance. It also was responsibility with it. It, it, it had responsibility with it. And um, one of the things that uh, they had to do was they would be responsible for, let's say they had unmarried sisters. They, if their father died, they were responsible for making sure those sisters get married off. And until they got married off, they would have to take care of them. They'd have to take care of their mother. So perhaps Esau wanted the blessing of the birthright, but he didn't want the responsibility of the birthright. We can only speculate about this, but he despised it. There was something about that birthright that he despised. Apparently, it had some kind of spiritual application because God took it personally. God hated Esau. He hated him. Okay, so let's go ahead a couple of chapters here, and we're going to uh, read chapter 27. And verse number 1, Genesis 27 and 1. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold now, I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison, and make me savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau 
Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, be the curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? Notice his suspicion. And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come nearer, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. You see, Rebekah thought of everything. She knew that Isaac was going to do this. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not. He went by what he felt and not what he heard. Very dangerous thing to do. So many people say, well, I felt good about my decision. Okay, let's go to verse 23. Don't always go off what you feel, is my point. And he discerned him not because his hands were hairy, as his brother's Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. And he came near, and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven, and the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curseth thee, and blessed be, uh, be he that blesseth thee. The difference between the birthright and the blessing here appears to be clear to me. Um, the fact that the birthright was about a double portion of the inheritance and about family responsibility, about uh, the ownership of the house, leading of the house. But this tells us in Genesis chapter 27 and verse 29 that the blessing was a transference of the blessing that was placed upon Abraham, was transferred to, uh, transferred to Isaac, and this was this blessing was a transference of that blessing that had initially been put upon Abraham because he says, "Blessing, uh, I will bless those that bless thee, and I will curse those that curse thee." Uh, 
All right, verse number 30. And it came to pass as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. And he also made savory meat and brought it unto his father and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison that thy soul may bless me. Now notice, he didn't really care about the birthright, but he did want that blessing. Okay, he was used to providing for himself. Maybe he didn't think he really needed that birthright because he was a skillful hunter and thought, you know what, I've already got plenty. I don't really need that birthright. But he wanted the blessing. He didn't want the responsibility, but he wanted the blessing. But God saw to it. Now, we could say, you know, Jacob was wrong for what he did, but God saw to it. God was behind all this. God had already told him that the elder would serve the younger. God knew what was going to happen. He wasn't taken surprised by this, by surprise by this action. And so this is what it says. And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Isaac, or Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest, and it blessed him. Yea, he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety, and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. No, Esau, he didn't take it away. You sold it. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And, he, and Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants, and with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. And by thy sword shalt thou live and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father had blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. Now, again, uh, Esau realized his mistake too late. He sold that birthright, and because he sold his birthright, God saw to it that he would not get the blessing. It's like so many people that want God to bless them, but they don't want to serve God. They don't want the responsibility of serving God. They don't want a preacher to tell them what to do, and they don't want a church system uh, to constrain them, to hold them back. They want to do what they want to do. So many times I talk to people on the streets they may be doing drugs, they may be uh, sleeping around, they may be doing everything wrong under the sun, but they'll tell me, oh, I believe in Jesus, and I accepted the Lord as my personal Savior, and I know I'm saved, and I'm going to heaven. I I've heard some of the best sermons I've ever heard were, were, were preached by, and I'm being a little sarcastic here, but, but were preached by men that were drunk. They could really preach to you, and they could quote Scripture and tell you why they're saved. You know, they want the blessing, but they don't want the responsibility. Esau wanted the blessing. He didn't want the responsibility. But God saw to it that Esau, if you don't want the responsibility, you're not going to get the blessing. And can I tell you, it's the same thing today. That if you don't accept the responsibility of serving God and obeying His commandments and, 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 and uh, submitting to a man of God and to a church, you know what? You're not going to get the blessing. You're not going to get heaven, in other words. And in the book of Hebrews... 
Let's go back there for a minute, back to chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews. And there's a couple of verses I want to read to you here. Going back to what we read about Esau, verse 16, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have, notice that, when he would have, or he, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance. What is it talking about? It's talking about when he came back to Isaac. And he starts begging. He said, please, I want the blessing. I want the blessing. But it was too late for him to get it. He had already given the blessing up by giving up the responsibility, the birthright. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. He wept. He I believe he was very sincere when he was crying out to Isaac, please bless me. Bless me also. But it was too late. Oh, can I tell you that there's going to be a lot of people that's going to repent too late. The Bible says there's coming a day that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee is going to bow, but it will be too late. A lot of people is going to say, God, forgive me, but it's too late. They had an entire lifetime to repent. They had a long time to get right with God, but they resisted every opportunity for repentance. The Bible says in the book of Romans that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. So many people despise the goodness of God. That's why the scripture says, despise not the riches of his forbearance, knowing not that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. It's his goodness that leads you to repentance. It's his goodness that convicts you, that tries to draw you to an altar to repent of your sins and to make things right with God. But so many people shake that off. They don't want the rules. They don't want the restrictions, but they want the blessing. And notice what it says here. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now, in context, the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jewish Christians that were under persecution because these Jewish Christians had come to Jesus, and they had started serving Jesus, and uh, but they were facing great persecution from the Jews because the, the, uh, the Jews were putting high pressure on them and persecuting them and, and possibly they were putting some of them in prison and beating some of them. And they were under all of this intense persecution. And some of them, under the threat of persecution, thought about backing up and giving up uh, and, and, and walking away from Christianity and going back to Judaism. What the writer of Hebrews is telling them, it's too late for you to turn around. He said, don't be like Esau, who for one morsel of meat, just to, to, uh, to alleviate suffering, just to get away from the suffering and, and to avoid that persecution. Uh, don't be like Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. He made that decision in a moment where he felt faint. He made that decision in a moment where he, he felt like he was going to die. Don't do the same thing that Esau did. That's what the writer of Hebrews is telling them. Don't make a decision when you feel tired, when you feel weary. Now let's go back to the book of Genesis and let's finish this story up. And uh, this is where we're going to close out this lesson today. We go over to the book of Genesis chapter number uh, 28. And it says, And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee 
that thou mightest or that thou mayest be a multitude of people and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger which God gave unto Abraham and Isaac sent away Jacob and he went to Padan Aram unto Laban son of Bethuel the Syrian the brother of Rebekah Jacob's and Esau's mother and when Esau saw that Jacob, uh, that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take him a wife from thence, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Padan Aram. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan uh, pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebahoth, to be his wife. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. You can only imagine what was going through the heart of Jacob. He was a man that dwelt in the tents of his parents, and he, he loved his mother, and you can imagine how much he missed his mother. And right now he's wondering what's going to happen to him. He's scared because he wonders what if his brother comes after him and what's, what's going to happen right now. I, I don't know what my future holds. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them down for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest. To thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You know, the main thing that separated Esau from Jacob was uh, Esau was passive about the, the things of God. Jacob may not have done it in the right way. He may have been a deceiver and a supplanter, but he had a hunger. He had an aggression. He had a desire to please or, or to, to get a hold of the blessings of God. And the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. God loves desire. Jacob had a desire, but Esau was passive. Let's read this in verse 15. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again unto this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob waked out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillars and set it uh, up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it and he called the name of that place Bethel but the name of that city was called Luz at the first Bethel the name Bethel means house of God and Jacob vowed a vow saying if God will be with me and I will in I'm sorry and will keep me in this way that I go and will bring uh, will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace then shall the Lord be my God and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house and of all that thou shalt give me I will surely give the tenth unto thee again the principle of tithe, uh, of tithing coming in here he says I will give the tenth unto thee he, he's kind of making a bargain with God but 
Notice, he does have a hunger for God, and God honored that hunger. And God took the promise that had been upon Abraham, gave it to Isaac, and took that promise that had been upon Isaac, and gave it to Jacob. The blessing was transferred because he had a hunger for God. So let us be like Jacob, hungering for the things of God. Let us not be like Esau, who was passive about the things of God, willing to trade it away for the, the smallest piece of meat, just a moment of pleasure. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for the word of God, which we studied here this day. God, I'm asking that you would speak to the ears of every hearer. Help us, O Lord, to crave the things of God. Put within us a desire, a drive, a burden, a hunger to do the work of God, to please you. Let us not be like Esau, who would turn from God so quickly and make a rash decision in a moment when we feel faint. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this Bible 101 episode. Please leave a comment to let us know what you think. Also email BibleTTabernacle29 at gmail.com. That is B-I-B-L-E-T-T-A-B-E-R-N-A-C-L-E 29 at gmail.com to leave us comments, questions, or maybe ideas for future episodes. Thank you so much for listening.